Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. This episode features one of three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island where it has broadcast continuously for over 15 years. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at tracyhotchnerpets.com. This show would not be possible without the longtime support of Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food, remaining privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards. This show is also made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival of which I am the founder and director along with the annual New York Dog Film Festival, which premiere in New York City every October and then travel the USA and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. Go to dogfilmfestival.com and catfilmfestival.com to find out when we'll be where. It is truly wonderful to be back with Dr. Elizabeth Hodgkins. She and I have devoted ourselves together on this show, Cat Chat, for so many years, coming on more than a decade to the concept that many diseases in cats are human-made, 100% caused by humans who unknowingly, for the vast majority of you, those of you who have never listened to the show before, you're off the hook. The rest of you know that if you're feeding kitty crack, if you're feeding any dry food to your cats, you are going to pretty much sign some kind of a poor health warrant, if not a death warrant, by doing that. And besides urinary tract problems, which Dr. Elizabeth and I will talk about in a separate show, diabetes is the main problem in feeding highly processed carbohydrates to an obligate carnivore. I was very disturbed, Elizabeth, when I learned about a big veterinary conference in Florida at which a veterinarian who seemed apparently to be thrilled, excited, and like a cheerleader for a new drug that's been developed for cats who are diabetics. And I thought, how can you be doing this, folks, doctors, smart people, medical degrees? All you have to do is stop feeding kitty crack and you wouldn't have diabetes in the first place. So they're telling people to keep on feeding dry food and then developing a drug. And God knows what the R&D is on developing a new drug and getting it through all the tests and then selling the drug at who knows what cost in order to cure a disease that you, the cat owner, and maybe some the cat doctor, have caused. What was you, what were your thoughts about this? Were they along those indignant lines of mine? Well, and by the way, Tracy, thank you for having me on the show. But uh, yeah, it's 
you know, I try to live an anxiety and frustration-free life now because I know how important that is to our 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 health, physical and mental health as humans. So I try not to get real crazy real often like I used to, and you know that (laughs) from all the years we've known each other. But this this is one of those things where I sat down and I said, I cannot believe that big pharma is protecting big food. And yes. do not get me started on both of those entities because big pharma and big food are the devil. Yes. They are co-devils. Yep. Uh, on the human side as well as veterinary. Of course. Okay, it's the same both both ways. But yeah, we've got a problem created by veterinary big food or pet food, uh, the big industries that are feeding, selling and feeding this extremely cheap, horrible food. I'd love to use other words, but I'm gonna keep it clean here on your show. These horrible foods that we, you and I have just decided are kitty crack that are really bad for cats and are the direct cause over time of feline type 2 diabetes. And so instead of taking the time and spending the money to educate people about it, which of course would decrease the sales of those foods, uh, Big Pharma, who also wants to get in on, on the money, uh, decided let's produce a drug that will be the, the hooks here are that this is really convenient for owners. They don't have to inject their cats right. anymore. Well, of course, they wouldn't have to inject their cats if they didn't, if the cats didn't have diabetes in the first place. So this is a, a food industry created disease, as you and I are always saying. And now it's going to be a pharma industry treated disease, much to the uh, profitability of big pharma. And by the way, I've done my research on this product. It's going to cost the average cat owner $300 a month. Oh my God. Okay. To give this pill or liquid, it comes in both forms, to their cat. Now, all that's bad enough. The cat shouldn't have the disease in the first place and can probably go off insulin or anything else if it gets on a decent diet. But two, it's going to be very expensive, more expensive than insulin, for sure. Wow. And it's not going to be as effective. I sent you a copy of a letter that was sent to veterinarians by the FDA warning them about all the caveats on this product. No which I give, kidding. I give FDA a little credit for sending the letter out. I don't give them credit for approving the drug, but I give them well credit said. for at least warning veterinarians that the product uh, has extreme limitations. It can't be used in a cat that's ever had insulin. Okay. Oh my so now goodness. we're talking about a veterinarian. Yeah. So a veterinarian who diagnoses a brand new diabetic could consider putting uh, that cat on this product. The unfortunate thing is that this product doesn't actually act like insulin or anything like insulin. It just decreases the amount of sugar uptake, reuptake, by the kidneys when the sugar is spilling, okay, into the urine, it prevents the kidneys from reuptaking. So it's an inhibitor of that salvaging by the kidney to keep keep glucose. It's very limited in its ability and veterinarians are told to check these cats all the time, even more than they do when the cat is on insulin that they have to be very concerned about any changes, negative changes in the cat's behavior because uh, diabetic ketoacidosis is a big secondary problem with this product because it doesn't really control glucose. It's 
a train wreck, Tracy. It's not just one of those things like when somebody comes out with a new form of insulin, I go, oh, come on. Why don't we just keep these cats from getting sick in the first place? Right. This is a train wreck. This doesn't even belong in most cats, and it is going to be harmful for very many of them. It's put into, and it's going to create horrific cost for pet owners. This is much more disturbing than I had thought because I just thought I saw the headline. I didn't know about the FDA letter, and that's why I, even when I talk to you, which is a a longstanding relationship where we share lots of thoughts and comments off the air, I didn't do that in this case because I wanted to sort of hear your uh, unredacted reaction. But to learn (laughs) that that this product, which, uh, you know, there was all this enthusiasm, it was this big, uh, you know, reveal, if you will, at the veterinary conference. It upset me because the big reveal at the veterinary conference should be, hey, guys, how could we make it work well for us and for the cats? Because that those are our end patients, the cats, and figure out a way to get people away from feeding the harmful, highly processed carbs, which make up all of the dry foods out there. But no, instead, it's okay. we're not going to admit that the dry food caused the diabetes. It was the cause of it. Not a contributor, but the cause. And so that's something you're going to find, you know, Elizabeth and 11 and a half other veterinarians telling you that, adamantly telling you, their hair on fire. Lisa Pearson, other doctors, you know, my feline cat. I mean, people for decades have been trying so hard to save these cats from what people have done to them. And most of the people are loving owners. All of you listening are loving owners, but if you really love your cat... Yeah, gotta stop feeding kitty crack. And if your cat is diabetic, there are ways, if it hasn't been diabetic for too long or diagnosed more recently, there are ways to back out of that and help the cat become non-diabetic. And food is the medicine. The right food is the medicine. It has to be done under veterinary care because you can cause physical reactions that can be that can make the cat very sick or even die if they're not managed correctly. But there's many people online as well as, you know, write me, Tracy at Tracy Hodgner Pets, Dr. Elizabeth and I could have many, many shows and maybe we will about, okay, step one, two, three, how to get your cat off kitty crack if they are already diabetic and get them to a place of health. And if they're too far gone diabetically, you know what to do. Maybe we will do that. Maybe that will be our resolution. Elizabeth for 2024. I mean, this is what we need to tell people because I think everyone listening cares deeply for their cats and they want them to live to that famous indoor cat age of 20 or 21. They're not getting there if they've got diabetes. It's not going to happen. You know, I think one of the things we've talked about before is that there was a period of time, and I don't know if it still exists in vet clinics, where vets were saying, oh, your cat's a diabetic, but we have this veterinary prescription food in a can, which is going mm-hmm. to cure them or help cure them. And then you and I would look at the ingredients list on the can called the deck, and it was often very carbohydrate heavy. The companies that yep. made these very, very expensive veterinary foods in a can, like the ones in a bag are very, very expensive, had basically, it seemed like ground up dry food and put it with more water in a can. It wasn't, you know, a high protein, low carb diet, which is kind of what 
and and a good amount of fat, which is what we want. Wasn't there a time when veterinarians were doing that, selling veterinary prescription diets in a can when any high-quality canned cat food not only would have been just as good, it would have been better? Yes, definitely. No doubt about it. And as a matter of fact, um, there there was, at one point, I'm not even sure now, there was a canned food that, that uh, Purina purchased the uh, patent from me. And that that food, in its original iteration, was uh, properly formulated. But then they made the dry form of it, and you can't make a dry food without putting it through an extruder, which means you have to add starch to it. Right. So the dry form of the food was an abomination. Uh, and, uh, of course, Hills and their famous high-fiber diets for diabetics were designed not so much to provide less sugar to the cat, but to just put so much fiber in it that the cat didn't absorb as much right. of it. And, of course, people complained because, one, the cats didn't like these foods, and, two, they created a horrendous amount of stool, yeah. and they prevented the absorption of other nutrients. So it was, it was just bad all around. It was a train wreck. <laughs> a train wreck, all of it driven with wrong thinking. Because if right thinking is that an obligate carnivore should be eating the equivalent of a mouse, and there's a mm -hmm. lot now of really great high-quality foods in a can that do a very good job of mimicking a mouse, or in your case and other That's people's true. feeding raw frozen or making your own raw with all the careful, you know, anti-salmonella kind of things that you can do, right. that solution has been there all along. And now there's lots of frozen, even cooked foods that mimic good-quality canned foods. So people have choices. The question is, why do cat owners well, – I don't understand why – oh, sure, you know, you and I have been talking for a decade, and I know there's a lot of people out there who've who heard the message and have followed the Pied Piper and feed only wet foods, and they're thrilled. But right. why do so many other right. people – keep feeding these dry foods, are they feeding themselves and their human children just as poorly? Because I, th I think we just have to touch on that. What humans are being fed by each other and by big food in the human side is making Americans and now other countries, a lot of other countries, incredibly ill from eating yeah. foods that well, are it, it made is. wrong. Right. Well, it's happening on the human side, too. So there's an analogy there. Yes. Well, people, people who are beating the right drum, and we know beyond the shadow of any doubt, we are on the right side of this argument. Um, but we're shouted down. I mean, if you watch television, how many commercials for, oh, cat chow? When I see a cat chow commercial talking about how wonderful it is for this darling little kitten that's on screen, <laughs> even my husband goes, Oh boy, I bet you have to get up and leave, right? During this one. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I can't mute it. Do something to it. I can't, I can't bear it. We're being shouted down because the government is simply not interested. And I'm laying this eventually on government, not that I think government solves every problem. But if we would just take the time to educate people better, be as loud as the drum that's being beaten to sell breakfast cereal. Essentially, there's one commercial, I forget exactly what food it is, but it's one of these better uh, wet foods, you know, the real, real, oh, it's farmer's dog. I love it. Uh, I love to see that. I just wish we had farmer's cat out there now. 
Uh, and I'm, I don't work for that company. I don't even know who that company is, but I love their commercial that says, you wouldn't feed your, uh, your family uh, breakfast cereal every day of their life, would you? And I thought, yay, that's exactly it. Um, well, that so is the message, course, but Elizabeth, I think it has to go back even two steps behind that because you are personally, as is your husband, as is my husband, very non-carb in your own intake. You are very right. strict about it. You don't eat carbs or you no, eat very right. few of them or you're selective about which carbs you will eat. And I think that for humans, the problem starts with the fact that breakfast cereal is a horrible way to start the day, particularly for children, even if they weren't sugared, which they are heavily sugared and heavily chemicalized and colored with colorants known for decades in Europe to cause cancer, cancer causing chemicals on highly sugared breakfast cereals made of all kinds of carbs that are just uh, don't belong in humans, quite frankly. They've just made them so attractive looking to little children. They put in pieces of candy, which are marshmallows yep. and chocolate bits and yep. sparkles Lucky and sprinkles. <laughs> but I mean, there's many that copy it. And people yep. are That's feeding true. just these vast amounts of things that kids get hooked on, both visually and mentally and physically. So you can say, would you feed your family breakfast cereal every meal? You shouldn't feed them breakfast cereal at breakfast. How about at that? At breakfast, no. I mean, that's absolutely. the problem. <laughs> so the same thing with For your sure. cats. But, I mean, please, everybody, stop and think. What, what big food is selling you because it's attractive and because they have these enormous television advertisement budgets should not be something you just – you know, follow like somebody in a in a daze off to the incredibly expensive cereal aisle. I mean, when I walk down that aisle, is I'm horrified. How can people afford five dollars a box for something that feeds maybe two kids for not even a whole week? And meanwhile, those poor kids got no protein. They got nothing to sustain their minds and their bodies until lunchtime. Nope. Leave aside what they got nope. for lunch. I have no idea what they're eating for lunch. If we could just get rid of breakfast cereal, but, you know, that's a dream that is never going to be realized. So let's just at least do it for our cats, okay? Let's just not be looking. I'd be happy. I could die happy with that. Exactly. <laughs> so we say to you once again, there are just a, an increasing number of reasons to please not feed kitty crack. And if your cat has diabetes... Please go to Your Diabetic Cat or some of the other fantastic online doctor-driven websites that are there not to make a buck but to make cats well. Or write to me, Tracy at Tracy Hotchner Pets, and we will help you get your cat to become non-diabetic without $300 a month of medicine and uh, to have a longer, happier, healthier life from then on diabetes aside. So Elizabeth Hodgkins, thank you for still caring and still having your hair on fire, even though you're in retirement and trying to be <laughs> mellow and zen. I think this is really good for you. Thank you so much. Well, it's, we can't save them all, Tracy, but we're going to save a few of them. Right? One cat at a time. That's our motto. One cat at a time. Thank that's you right. so much. Bye. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the show. There were a few more special companies that make this show possible, and I hope you'll try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. 
This show is supported by Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, No Hide, and the hybrid dry food, Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky Weimaraner Maisie will eat. The show is also brought to you in part by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients to gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and answer to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. My dogs love it every single day.